<laughs> all right, we've got some good ones. All right, all right. Uh, over here, what was uh, what was uh, maybe the best best nickname as voted upon by your by your colleagues? Shop towel. Okay, well you can guess when we hear them. We won't tell who it is. You just kind of guess who you think shop towel is. <laughs> no. All right. How about over here? Care Bear, okay. That one's probably a little easier to figure out. All right, how about here? Dill Pickle. Dill Pickle. <laughs> Excellent. I like, I like pickles. All right. You're going to share your inappropriate one. <laughs> Conrad. Dumb Donkey. Dumb Donkey. Oh, interesting. Oh, the King James Version. Okay. <laughs> Appreciate you keeping it PG. All right. <laughs> That's going to be hard to stop. All right. <coughs> what we got? Morgy Corgi. Love it. Love it. All right. Squid. Okay. Excellent. Butterbean. Butterbean. Fantastic. Fantastic. All right. Um, this morning we're going to talk about. Um, uh, how uh, we should live, and more importantly, what God says about uh, kind of our manner of life, particularly like what things are most important. Uh, and so as we work through this, I'm going to talk about why I think this is uh, an important thing or, or something that we need to discuss this morning, and hopefully we'll have uh, some good discussion around the table as it relates to uh, where you are with this and um, understanding uh, what God has for us. All right, so we're going to do um, a second activity right off the bat. All right, so I'm going to, there's going to be four choices. You're going to need to put yourself in one of the categories, and I need you to wait until all the categories are read right before saying vote, and then like if you're a two, you put a two up. If you're a three, you put a three up. Does that make sense? So just wait until all the categories are, uh, are read. Let's see here. All right, so choose one option. All right. Uh, number uh, first option is my life is completely intentional. Okay, all things I do, I have uh, I have been thoughtful about. I have no problem being disciplined in order uh, to order my life the way I want. All right, that's order one or number one. Okay, uh, number two is my life is a unicorn. Okay, I'm just along for the ride. Right, it's everything's uh, everything's roses. You know, we uh, everything's great, and I'm just having the best time. All right, so my life is completely intentional. Number two, my life is a unicorn. Number three, my life is a runaway train, okay? With too many cars attached, I'm just trying to keep it on the, uh, on the rails so it doesn't crash, all right? And number four, my life is a Rubik's Cube. I'm not sure what to do next, but I keep twisting the blocks to see what might work. All right, so uh, if you just show up your numbers to your table, uh, number one, two, three, or four, okay, about what you would categorize your life in from these particular um, these particular options. All right, and go. All right, do you understand the question? Okay, some of. <laughs> You're not any of those. All right, he's a five. What? Which one closely, most closely matches uh, matches yours? 
What, what would you describe yours as, Andy? <laughs> All right, five is uh, I don't know. That's a fifth one. It's uh, the uh, bring up the, okay. It's somewhat, somewhat intentional. All right. So anybody, anybody a unicorn? Their life is like a unicorn? Megan? Zach, shop towel, excellent. <laughs> All right, I gave that one away. All right, well thank you. Uh, so as we're looking at these, I want you to think also about uh, people in your life, um, family, uh, siblings, uh, friends, uh, people that you run into. How would you characterize these, uh, their lives? Uh, these are somewhat comical. These does, this does not describe everyone's life, but a lot of us can fit um, ourselves into uh, this general category. <clears throat> you know, the first one is like, hey, I've, I understand what life is about, and I'm ordering my life to do those things. Number two is, man, life is, uh, life is awesome. I'm just uh, along for the ride. I'm excited to be here, right? Let's do it. Uh, number three is, uh, my life is out of control. I feel like I'm passive in it, right? And it's not, it's not going real well, meaning like it's just, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just hanging on for dear life, right? I may have too many commitments, and I'm just trying to figure out what that looks like. Uh, and the other one is, I really have no idea what life's about, but I'm just trying to figure that out right now, right? Um, so do, would you guess that, um, which, what is the one that God would have us uh, live? Do you think that he has instructions in regards to what our lives look like? Yes, excellent. <laughs> he does. So um, we all have a theology, right? Some, would, some might call this a worldview, but I want us to think about this this, uh, this way, and it, uh, and it uh, is defined by these four things. That all of us have a theology, myself, you. Uh, there's a way that we, uh, how we think God uh, works. So there's understandings that we have from the Bible or that we pick up from the world around us, and we say, hey, this is the way that God works works. This is how he relates to the world. Um, we also have an idea of how the world works, right? This is how everything is kind of connected. And so even if it's not super, super specific, I again have, uh, I have a theology of what that looks like. The third thing is I have an idea of what God's, uh, what is God's relationship to the world. If he's sitting up there and he is just like, oh, these guys, I mean, how much? Okay, not too much longer. You know, we're going to get through this. <laughs> and then lastly, what is God's relationship to those who are related to him through faith? Right? What is that ongoing relationship? And so this encapsulates our theology. You may ha never have written this down. You may not have thought about this, but you have very specific ideas in each of these categories. All right? And so we all have a theology, but I would, uh, I would say, I would wonder if, uh, how many of us would admit that uh, within this theology, we really have uh, kind of two categories. One would be our formal theology. If I ask you, if a grandma asks you, uh, honey, what, uh, you know, how, to, how does the world work and how you would tell her? And then there's a practical theology, and what this would look like is, uh, this is what I actually do. You understand? So there's a formal one. Here's how I say that it works. Right? Here's like what I've written down. Here's what's on my, uh, my bio. And then the second way is how I actually think it works, and that's how I actually live. And so there's typically this, um, 
this deviation from how I think thing, how I say things are and how I believe things actually are because I don't do right everything I say I believe. Uh, so Dallas Willard has a, a really helpful uh, quote about this, and he says, so everyone has a practical theology, even if it is the purely negative one of the atheist, and, and the atheist, and everyone's practical theology vitally affects the course of his or her life. We have some measure of choice in what that theology will be in our own individual case, but we certainly have a theology. And a thoughtless or uninformed theology grips and guides our life with just as great a force as does a thoughtful or informed one. Our practical theology, then, has the task of answering those questions about how one goes about growing spiritually. If it is successful, it will resolve for us the dilemma uh, we've here uh, for talked about. Practical theology's overall task is, in effect, to develop for practical implementation the methods by which women and men interact with God to fulfill the divine intent for human existence. And so um, as we're thinking about kind of what I aspire to, right, what I want to believe be true versus the things that I actually do, right, put into, um, put into practice my formal theology versus my practical theology, uh, Jesus speaks to this phenomenon that this exists. And he says this in Matthew um, 23, 1 through 3. And when Jesus spoke to the crowds, to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees have seated themselves in the chair of Moses. Therefore, all that they tell you, do and observe. But do not do according to their deeds, for they say things and they don't do them. And so I think this speaks very well to how uh, it feels. All of us in our best day, right, do the things that we say we believe. Amen? Right, but there's so many times where the aspirational, the formal theology doesn't quite measure up to the practical theology. Because... When we actually believe something, we do it, right? Amen? All of us would say, uh, I had a, used to a discussion with an old colleague before, um, and we would talk about this phenomenon, you know, well, what, what, what do people believe? Well, it's like, I don't actually, I don't need to hear what they hear, I just need to see what they do. If you watch somebody's life, you can tell what they believe in. Amen? And so here, this is, uh, this is Jesus addressing the idea of what a lot of the Pharisees struggled with, right? That they do things, uh, or they say things, but they don't do them. And so he is calling them out, but also giving them instruction. Hey, they're going to tell you a lot of good things. Hey, hey, do the things they tell you to do, but don't watch their lives because they don't actually do the things they tell you to do. Isn't that an interesting, <laughs> an interesting way to look at it? So our relationship with God is supposed to be defined uh, by two things, uh, authority and obedience. When these two things are present, we have a third benefit in our relationship, intimacy. So I want you to think about, uh, just for a minute, this idea of authority and obedience. I want you to, uh, just around your tables real quickly, uh, talk about why, our, uh, why you think maybe that our relationship with God uh, 
should be, uh, might, might should be defined by these two things and not something different. Okay, so just take a quick second. I just want to kick around to see what you think around your tables. Okay. Why might this be the case? All right. All right, so as you kicked around these uh, couple ideas, I want us to uh, kind of settle in and, and understand this a little bit, uh, a little bit more. So, uh, so our, our relationship with God is supposed to be defined by authority and obedience, which leads to intimacy, and this is what we want from God, correct? This is what he wants for us. All of us would agree like, yes, intimacy, closeness, nearness. That is what God has called us into. Yeah, but, but so often, uh, or, or a lot of us think that I can have intimacy in a relationship without authority and obedience. And so think about two uh, relationships that, that most of you have had uh, in your life. You have parental relationships and you've had a job. Uh, the authority in your parental relationships is your parents. The authority in your job is a boss. Um, can you have closeness with either of those relationships without recognizing the authority in their life? and being obedient to them. This is how relationships work. We recognize the relationship for what it is, and then we right, do according to what that authority has asked us to do. This works in a dating or marriage relationships as well, that recognize the authority that they have in the in midst of the relationship that we say that we have, right? And then as I'm obedient, right, to the formality of that relationship, right, then there is closeness. And when there isn't, then there is, right, we can Grover. Near? Far. Anybody Sesame Street fans in here? No? Grover? You're like, oh my gosh, what is he talking? Oh, thank you, Liz. I appreciate that. She's like, I'll just raise my hand just so he'll feel better. I appreciate that. Sorry, so God created us to live Right, an intimate dependency uh, with him. But God is holy. Right, remember, be holy for I am holy. Holiness is a character trait, right, of God's and it needs to be of ours. And so character is built in the way we live our lives. So we're going to look at um, a verse here and want to talk through about how uh, we can connect these things. So if you'll turn real quick to Romans 5. Three through five, and we're building to uh, a verse that uh, you may have heard before, Micah six eight. And I just want to talk to you about how do we, how are we going to understand that in its proper context, and then uh, end with um, uh, some questions. So Romans 5, 3 through 5 says, And not only this, but we also exalt in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, perseverance proving character, and proving character hope. And hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So this is how Paul talks about this idea of holiness as a character trait. And so this is what he's insinuating. So as we look... Um, at this idea right, of exalting. Right? This is the idea of uh, to celebrate or to boast. So we don't really know how to, when we say exalt, yes, fine, I'll exalt in it. I don't even know what that is. 
right? But the, what, what, it's, what it means is to boast, right, or to celebrate. He's right, he's telling us to celebrate in our tribulations. This is uh, to celebrate in our trials. Here's how I want to translate this to you. I want you to, uh, to think about this as a celebrate in our fights. Why do you get into a fight about anything? Like whether it's like you two guys are playing one-on-one. <laughs> Basketball, right? Why do you get into a fight? I'm going to say it's because you care about the thing. You may not should care about it. <laughs> uh, we got a couple married people smiling at each other. Uh, we got a, uh, not to say that you uh, should or shouldn't care about it, but I just want to understand the characterizes fight, right? There's many things in your life that you just take, right? You're like, should I fight? Fight for this? Fight about this? Fight through this? As so I want you to think about tribulations as opportunities to fight. How, how do you face things that happen in your life that are not smooth. You had a few of those this week, right? Things don't go quite the way I want. What is my response? Do I roll over? Do I run away? Do I cry? Do I punch something? Do I write a check? (laughs) Do I drive somewhere, right? There's eight million responses to things not going the way I want. But what if we looked at each of those opportunities, right, as not something to, like, get out of it, but to face it? To say, if I, if I take my basketball to the court, right, and there's somebody there, I'm there to play, right? Like, and as I play, as I fight, as I compete, right, I get stronger, I get better. Amen? There's nothing that you've learned in this life. There's no relationship that you've ever had, right, that, uh, that didn't improve through those means. Think about friendships that you've had. The friendships that, that you enjoy the most, have they been easy breezy? Or have they been ones where you've been uh, with each other through thick and thin? You've chosen, right, to stick around when things you know, okay, are we going to watch Smurfs or DuckTales? Oh, man. Well, if you choose Smurfs, we can't be friends anymore. Right? So many times we do this without even thinking, but then we've chosen to fight. Hey, let's work this out. Hey, why don't we watch DuckTales? These are shows that you've probably never seen before. And then we'll watch Smurfs after. Right? We're fighting through, right, the conflict here. And so going back, he is asking us to exult as... His, uh, his word here, his exhortation is to celebrate, right, our tribulations, right? Celebrate when things don't no, go no well, knowing that the tribulation brings perseverance. Now, here's the thing that we forget about is that perseverance doesn't just happen, does it? Right? It, it, this anticipates me fighting, right? This anticipates that me engaging Right in the thing, if I'm playing, uh, if I'm playing basketball, right against somebody, right, I've got to persevere through the entire game. Right, every time the guy hits a shot, I've got to choose: Am I going to try to hit another shot and another shot and another shot until right we get to the end of the game? But as we fight, right, this brings perseverance. What is perseverance? I know you've heard the word. And we might even have a t-shirt that says it on it, but what is it? 
Somebody got a good definition off the cuff? Say again. Sticking to it when it's hard. Like it. Anybody else want to add to it? Yeah. Okay. So you see add, adding, you see uh, something good that I want and I keep pushing through it. Right, to persevere is just to stay. To persevere is to, so if, if uh, fighting is what we need to do, then perseverance is to continue to fight. We always laud people with, uh, as we should, right, folks that have, uh, have are, are battling like an illness, right, because to battle that is to re remain hopeful, right, to continue to engage in the thing that's going to make you healthier. It is to persevere, it's to not stop. So he's saying, again, that we need to exalt, right, in the things, uh, in, in trouble that we have in this world, and then we need to insinuate that we need to fight during those times of trouble. And that a lot of times is what we're deciding to do. This is what a lot of our life is made up for, right? Am I going to decide to fight for the things that are important? Do I know which things I should fight for and not or not? And so the last thing it says, verse 4, that as I persevere, as I keep fighting with the Lord's tools, with Him, towards His things, right, then I will develop character. What Paul's saying here is this is the only way character has ever been built. It's not granted to you. <laughs> it's not found Right, we have to persevere to gain it. And when we have this character right, that we fought for, that's been formed in us, right, this gives us hope. As I think about the things that, that as I have fought uh, so hard for in my life, right, against sin, for the things of the Lord, and I, and I see how hard that was, but yet, because a lot of you are fighting right now, or you're choosing, right, to fight or to not fight, right, that the thing that we need to keep in front of us, that we need to boast in, that we need to celebrate, is that I keep fighting because God says character is at the end of that, and as I have character, I have hope. And this is what life is about. Do you know people that don't have character and that don't have hope. Many of you today are struggling with that. I don't want to fight, it's too hard. I just would rather just kind of have my pet things and just let me, let me be. The last thing I want to share with you is you are struggling with fighting is verse 5, and hope does not disappoint. Because the love of God has been poured within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has given us. What Paul is saying is the Holy Spirit is saying, don't stop fighting. The fight that I've given you to fight. The fight against sin. The fight for goodness. right? The fight for people. The fight for the life that I've said right, is restful, and eternal.
So the last connection to holiness is when we have proven character, this is holiness. Right, this is when we begin to actually image God. When he says, be holy for I am holy, right, this is, this is not a statement that should cause us great anguish, but is a hopeful statement. Care that you can be holy like God is holy. Andrew, that you can be holy as God is holy if you will fight with him. Morgan, that you can be holy as God is holy. And as I think about that and as I experience that, this should cause me to celebrate. Do you understand how defeated you have been in certain parts of your life? And do you understand that God wants you to celebrate that he is doing something in your life? And he wants you to not stay where you are? That is what he's celebrating, that there is a way to be the people that God has created us to be. To be in relationship with the God who created us to be in it. So let's go back to this idea of authority and obedience. And so authority is something that I give someone else by submitting to their rule in my life. So it relates to a boss, right? It relates to uh, parents, right? It relates to relationships. Authority is something, that, uh, is something that I give someone else by submitting to their rule in my life. Obedience is how I submit to that authority. I can't just say that you have authority in my life, right? I need to do that. I need to decide that. But after that, right, I've got to actually be obedient. I've got to submit to that authority by doing what they ask me to do, by following the things that they ask me to follow. For me to be holy, my relationship with God needs to be a relationship characterized by authority and obedience. For me to be holy, my relationship with God needs to be a relationship characterized by authority and obedience. That I recognize his authority in my life and I am obedient to that authority. And that's not for two weeks next week. (laughs) That's for the rest of your life. That's not for me to pat myself on the back. Hey, Rob, you were awesome by recognizing God's authority and being obedient to him two weeks ago. Hey, what about this week? That is the nature of our faith relationship. I trust that he is all good, all powerful, all loving, and I demonstrate that trust by giving him my entire life. Giving my life to him means to give Jesus authority and to show that authority through obedience. Now, at times, right, and I have, I have done this. This is something that we all struggle with. That we have defined our obedience simply through the practical terms of our corporate gatherings or through personal time that we may have with the Father. And that's all that we're looking to do. And that's all somebody has told us that he wants us to do. Right when we show up, you know, to a, to a gathering, say on a Sunday morning, we're seen. 
We publicly praise the Lord. We give, his, uh, give him blessings in the form of offering, song. We sit under, his, uh, we sit under teaching to be obedient. We may also spend solitary time engaging in his word and prayer. These are good things, really good things. We need to keep doing them. But they are incomplete, right? And they sometimes miss the point, right, of holiness. And this is what the Micah verse gets at. That those things are not things that make us holy, but they're expressions of public and private worship. Right? There are things we learn, there are things we do there, right? but they are not what makes us holy. Now the prophet Micah addresses this issue in calling out Israel for worshiping in vain. We're going to look at scripture here in just a second. Vain worship is situational or circumstantial allegiance. And so this is something that I've struggled with my entire life. Right, that, hey, God, I'm here for you on Sunday during this hour or during Sunday school, right, or during my quiet time. But then I take that hat off, right, Jay? <laughs> right, and then I put on whatever hat I want to after that. That's not holiness. That's not sitting under God's authority and being obedient to him. in the way that he wants us to. Lord would say, thank you for honoring me on Sunday and in the morning when you read my word and when you pray, thank you. You are honoring me when you do that. But if you honor me only in those times, you're honoring me in vain. And this is really what the third commandment talks about in Exodus 20, verse 7. Right, he tells us to not take the Lord's name in vain. What he's saying is, when you only honor me sometimes, there's lots of times that you're not honoring me. <laughs> and the name that you bear, which is my child, right, my priest, is being born in vain. And so here, let's read real quickly. Micah 6, 1 through 7. Hear now what the Lord says. Arise, plead your case before the mountains, and let the hills hear your voice. Listen, you mountains, to the indictment of the Lord. Right? Indictment is charge. I've got, a, I've got something against you. And this is to his covenant people. Listen, mountains, to the indictment of the Lord, you enduring foundation of the earth, because the Lord has a case against his people. Even with Israel, he will dispute. My people, what have I done for you? And how have I wearied you? Answer me. Indeed, I brought you up from the land of Egypt and ransomed you from the house of slavery. I sent you before Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. My people, remember now what Balak, king of Moab, counseled, and what Balaam, son of Beor, answered him. And from Shittim to Gilgal, so that you might know the righteous acts of the Lord. But your entire lives, he's, he's relating things that have happened in their lifetime, right? Haven't you seen? With what shall I come to the Lord and bow myself before the Lord on high? Shall I come to him with burnt offerings, with yearling calves? Does the Lord take delight in thousands of rams and 10,000 rivers of oil? Shall I present my firstborn for my rebellious acts? 
the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul. See, Israel, despite being in captivity, are prosperous during this time. It's actually one of the more prosperous times in their nation, and they have been going through the motions. Thinking that the life that they're living, because they're offering sacrifice, because they have and they're giving oil, right? Because they're doing the things that we think is the minimal that needs to be done, that God is pleased with me. And in the midst of this indictment, he then turns to Micah 6.8 and reminds them what it is he wants from them. And if you've grown uh, up in the Baptist church, you may have uh, heard this as a song. I won't sing it for you. But Micah 6.8, he has told you, O man, O woman, what is good. And what the Lord requires of you. If you've never understood before today, I want you to understand that the Lord has a very specific life that he wants you to live. Now it's not going to look all the same as far as the habits and practices that we do throughout the week, where we go during the day or who we come home to. Right? But he has defined what a good life looks like. And he tends you to know it and to do it. Not to say I'll get to it, but that the practice of showing his authority and obedience to life is to intend to live this life. And it's this. To do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. And this is going to take a little bit of translation. So you're like, yeah, I'm kind-ish most of the time. To strangers at least, absolutely. Right, I don't do injustice. <laughs> I don't think. I'm not actually sure what that word means. And walking humbly. Yeah, we'll get to that. I'll think through that and get back to you. Here's a translation uh, by two commentators. People of Israel, the Lord has shown you what is good. He has told you what he requires of you. You must treat people fairly. You must do right. Is the same word for justice. You should do what is right. And not just what you not what's right in my own mind, but what right God says. You must love others faithfully. You must be careful to live the way your God wants you to. So walk humbly would be better rendered to walk carefully with your God, which ultimately means to be careful to live the way uh, God wants you to. So, so often as we look at maybe something like this, we can define all the terms. And we're like, no, no, none of these terms need to be defined by you. They're defined by him. Learn what the right thing is. Do it. Walk faithfully, right, in covenant love. And then be careful, right, to stay close to the Lord as you learn to do that. Another commentator says, The piety that God's approved consists of three elements. A strict adherence to what which is equitable in all dealings with our fellow man, a heart determined to do them good, and a diligent care to live in close and intimate fellowship with the Father. This is what he has told you is good, O man, O woman. This is the good and right thing. This is our intentional life. So here's where we'll close. 
Matthew speaks into, right, our drifting away from misunderstanding what he's called us to by speaking to us all, the lawyers, right, the religious among us, and the hypocrites, which is me. He's speaking to all of us and say, for you tithe the mint and the dill and the cumin, but you've neglected the weightier provisions of the law. Thank you for your tithe. Thank you for spending time with me in the Bible each morning, if you do that. <laughs> Thank you for spending time with me in prayer. But what about the rest of the time? Again, I appreciate the other stuff, but remember what our deal is? I'm your authority. The way to your measure of the law of justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Right? These are the same thing, mercy, hesed. Right? Covenant faithfulness. Remember he's saying, tie the, the dent in the mill and the cumin, do that. Right? But, but that is no, uh, no uh, kind of get out of jail free card for not doing the other stuff that's way more important. Come Sunday. Come to me each morning. But there's six other days of the week that you need to honor me. Learn to do that. Right? These are the things that we should have done without neglecting the others. Let's be seven-day-a-week Christians. So, uh, by way of introduction, as we close here, I want to introduce something. We're going to talk about these four ideas in the next couple of weeks. Andy's going to start next week, Marcus week after that. And so here's what I want to want, where I want you to end, is I want you to talk around your tables about, in each of these areas, so these are, these are putting Micah 6.8, okay, into a framework or a, a rule, if you will, of how we need to think about our lives and, so, and, and thereby judge them. That there's no, there's no judgment about where we are, but for us to understand, hey, here is what I need to move into. Here is, right, what God said is good for me. As I want you to think about these actions as rules. So the, the Latin word, uh, the, the, the word rule in English is gotten from the Latin word called uh, rego, and it's not law, right? It uh, is this more of this idea of a trellis, right? That we need to have things in our lives that our lives grow around, right? Like a vine, if you've never put a vine on something, it just kind of sits limply on the ground and kind of grows bigger. But if you put a vine on a trellis and you train it, right? You tie it back around the same things, the same things. It actually flourishes and it does what it is meant to do. And so here's the four things, then I'll, I'll leave you uh, to discuss for a few minutes. So the first thing that we uh, need to do is right, accept and take responsibility for the things in our lives. Right, so categories would include mission. Okay, God is doing something in the world. Is that something that I need to be a part of? Or am I sidelined from that? Is that a stewardship that I'm taking responsibility for? Doesn't mean that you need to quit your job Right? And 24-7, you'll be yelling at people from a soapbox on Gervais Street. Okay? But it means something other than nothing. <laughs> we'll start there. Am I accepting responsibility for my family? Right? Whatever that looks like. 
right? The vocation that God has me in currently, am I working unto the Lord? And the blessings that he has given me, am I stewarding those well? Okay, so that's one category. Andy's going to talk about that next week. Number two, am I investing and participating in spiritual community? The God has called out the church, right, to be a new family. Do I see myself as part of that family? And not just participatory, but I'm investing in it. Because as the family is healthy, I need to invest so that it continues to multiply and to grow and to be cared for, intended. Right? Am I committed to teaching others and learning? Am I, in, uh, am I committed to investing in the spiritual growth uh, for myself and others? Am I committed to service, caring, and being cared for? Thirdly, am I abiding in Jesus? Am I learning to do that? Listening and learning from the Holy Spirit, intaking God's truth. Praying all the ways that I need to pray. Again, this is not to say, like, oh, I got a 65 on this test, I fail. It's just to help us, as Micah said, hey guys, remember, God's told us what we need to do. We just need to be remembered of it, right? Remember it, right? And then start taking steps, right, to do these things. And then lastly, we need to rest consistently. Maybe we just stop working sometimes, Rob. We need to play. Some of you are really good at the playing. We need to learn from you. And we also need to reflect on our blessings, God's truth, and his character. That we're not just off, right, but that we're using that time to, re, to rejuvenate, right, to replenish, to remember, to reflect, to do. And so just take... Uh, a few, sec- uh, a few minutes and just talk about maybe here's one area that stood out to me that I'm really not doing great in or here's something that I've been doing well in and here's the difference that's made in my life. So just start that conversation uh, and then we'll, I'll close us. Sorry. Just remember. All right. Um, so anyone, uh, anyone just have uh, just some feedback to share from around your table real quick, and then I'll, um, we'll get out of here. What, what thoughts did that provoke? As we think about what God calls us to, as we look at those categories, that this is the, this is the good life. All right, this is what he's trying to teach us to do. What are some thoughts that you guys have? Anna. Any thoughts? Yeah. Anyone? Yeah. So Anna was talking about, if you didn't hear, they're talking about rest, how that opens up 
a lot of the other areas of my life, right? How uh, resting uh, can be most helpful when it's done alone, right? But playing with others is fine as well. <laughs> we need to do both of those. Uh, somebody else? Yeah, Brian. Not that the readers aren't here, I have to put words in their mouth. But Good. They, uh, Megan was mentioning about how uh, there's definitely like a habit of flow. Yeah. About how, you know, she gets busy with family life and things like that. So she's more focused on some things. And, so, and, I, and I definitely feel that as well, too. I definitely feel myself kind of moving around in here, getting better at some and working yeah. others at the same time. Absolutely. Yeah, one more. Morgan. <laughs> um, well, I say specifically abiding in Jesus. Yeah. Lots of times, um, you just kind of like say a quick prayer if you need something fixed. Yeah. And then you don't really spend the time. Like Danny said, like look in the Word and see what it actually says about yeah. the situation. That's right. And then you're just kind of stuck in the same cycle over and over and not actually like getting out of it or getting out Yeah. Just enjoying relationship with him. It's like I call, you know, call mom. Hey, I need X, Y, Z. Versus just, hey, I'm gonna be more consistently just spending time with you and enjoying because that stuff will come up, <laughs> right? But also, there's lots of other good stuff that I'm missing. Thank you guys for sharing. I encourage you this week. Uh, the homework would be just to stare at this, bo- these boxes, <laughs> and listen to the Lord. Uh, look up maybe those scriptures. That's just kind of a a theme verse, but we'll be talking over the next couple weeks in each of these boxes more specifically about what those, unpacking that a little bit. Um, so only a couple announcements. So Wednesday for college, uh, college folks, we got uh, meeting at uh, uh, my house. We'll uh, eat and hang out, rest and play. Uh, next Tuesday for uh, young professionals, our last um, small group, uh, family group uh, for uh, the semester before we take a break for August. Uh, and so, um, yeah. So that's what we got going on. So uh, love you guys. Let me pray for us. Uh, Lord, as we um, see Micah 6.8 and are reminded, Father, that you have told us what is good and what you require from us. Lord, that we would, uh, that you would be the authority in our lives. Father, uh, that is something uh, that many of us have committed to if you being authority in our lives. We've got to give up, but we've got to submit to that authority each day. And so, Father, I pray that you would remind us, Father, that intimacy with you comes through authority and obedience, that you are the only good authority in our lives. Father, that you have created us uh, to be uh, in dependence, uh, but dependent, intimate relationship with you. And so, Lord, as we remember those things, Father, it's so much easier, right, to go to you and to listen to you to learn how to live. And whether our lives feel like a Rubik's Cube or we're riding on a unicorn or an out-of-control train, Father, you have called us to live an intentional life with you for the betterment of others and for your kingdom. And so, Father, would you help us start to wrap our heads around um, what that looks like and, Father, and ask for your help and taking the steps uh, to walk with you to get there. Father, we thank you for this time, and we ask that you would bless our time uh, in corporate worship. And pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.